Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Discovery. Time flies when you're learning super cool stuff. I'm Nate. And I'm Callie. If you're dropping in for the first time, welcome to Curiosity, where we aim to blow your mind by helping you to grow your mind. If you're a loyal listener, welcome back. Today, you'll learn about a bacteria that turns plastic into spiderwebs, a massive deep-sea discovery right in our own backyard, and how CRISPR could reshape agriculture for an entire continent. Without further ado, let's satisfy some curiosity. The world is drowning in plastic. By some estimates, over 30 billion tons of plastic waste finds its way into the oceans every single year. Uh, that's kind of mind-blowing, especially if you think about that's just the plastic that ends up in the ocean. We've talked about it a ton because this is one of those planet-sized problems that scientists do love to try and solve. Oh, absolutely. The problem is so dramatic that it said plastic will eventually show up in our fossil record. It's in our water, our soil, our plants, our food, our animals, our bodies. It's basically everywhere. And yeah, science is desperate to solve this problem, but there are a lot of challenges. The fact is, polymer chains that connect to create water bottles and other single-use items take a thousand years or more to break down. And even then, you can still find microplastics covering everything. And sadly, recycling efforts aren't doing much to put a dent in all that plastic trash. If I remember correctly, hardly even half of the millions of tons of plastic produced every year makes it through the recycling process. And that's exactly right. Recycling isn't the magic bullet we all thought it was going to be. But there could be an answer in upcycling. Right. We've talked about new tech that changes plastic into biogas, right? Like basically you take the plastic and you turn it into something else that's useful. Yeah, exactly. And I've got some news for you. Researchers at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute in New York have developed a way to use bacteria to transform common plastic garbage into versatile, biodegradable spider silk. Spider silk? Like, okay, don't you have to have spiders to make spider silk? Okay, that's what I thought when I read this the first time. So the silk mimics natural spider silk. It's super strong, it's lightweight, stretching in all the right ways, tough, non-toxic, and like I said, it is biodegradable. Okay, that sounds amazing. Spider silk is, you know, it's one of those kind of miracle materials, right? It's It's like lightweight steel, isn't it? Absolutely. One of the lead researchers on the project called it Nature's Kevlar. Okay, so tell me more about this bacteria. Can they just release it into plastic-choked landfills and just, what, turn the whole thing into a giant spider web? <laughs> well, okay, no. The bacteria is called Pseudomonas aeruginosa, and it naturally consumes polyethylene, which is one of those ingredients in plastic that makes it so long-lasting. But to get the bacteria to make the silk, they had to do a little bit of engineering. So first, the plastic bits had to be sort of pre-digested. Hmm. <laughs> So I, I assume you mean like broken down a bit? Kind of how we chew our food before it gets to our stomachs? Actually, exactly that. Uh, in this case, they got it really hot under pressure and turned it into this waxy goo, which the bacteria could more easily feast on. And it did. Given some time, it processed that waxy stuff into a material that kind of looked like puffs of cotton. Wow. So maybe you can take those puffs and turn them into thread and other stuff. 
They say it can be used for all kinds of products, everything from textiles to cosmetics and even medicines. But one of the biggest takeaways in this is that the method doesn't need a ton of energy to work and avoids toxic chemicals altogether. So it really harnesses the magic of nature to do this. What I love about this kind of tech is that it reshapes our view of plastic from being just garbage to actually being a resource that industries can use to produce new products. That could motivate companies to do the work of getting rid of all that garbage. Yep. It's the eco version of making lemonade from lemons. About 100 miles off the east coast of the United States, somewhere between North Carolina and Florida, lying beneath the Gulf Stream, ocean scientists have discovered a massive deep-sea coral reef the size of Vermont. That is quite a lead, but what, what exactly is deep-sea coral? That's one of the coolest things about this. They're also called cold-water corals, and scientists have known that they exist for a long time, but because they are you know, deep, they're not so easy to explore. In fact, they were pretty certain of the existence of this one in particular, but they lacked the tech and the funding to explore it until now. Okay, I mean, I'll say that this news is kind of music to my ears because usually when we talk about coral reefs on this show, it's about huge bleaching events and global die-offs. Totally. Needless to say, the world's reefs overall aren't doing so hot. And that is a potential catastrophe in the making because even though reefs take up about 1% of the ocean floor, they're home to about 25% of all ocean life. That means that our reef systems are responsible for keeping our oceans healthy and for feeding literally billions of people. But a study found that since 2009, more than 14% of the world's coral has disappeared. Well, okay, so how are deep-sea corals different from the kind we usually imagine? Uh, well, first of all, they don't get all that much sunlight, as you could probably guess, which means there's less algae around to photosynthesize, which means they aren't as vibrantly colorful as the ones you'd find in tropical waters. And they can live in water temps as low as 39 degrees, and they can live for thousands of years. I'm kind of imagining the bony white coral that looks like it's suffering from bleaching. Is it, is it kind of like that? Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. But while it may look sick or even like it's dying, it is actually teeming with life. You've got sharks, octopuses, crustaceans, all kinds of ocean life finds a niche down there. And while scientists had a hunch that this particular coral existed down there, they were blown away by the extent of it. They describe an area they call Million Mounds that is simply massive. I mean, with a name like that, I can only imagine. Yeah, it's about 158 miles long and more than 25 miles wide. And the best part is that much of the reef already sits in what's called a habitat area of particular concern, which means that it's untouchable by fisheries or other extractive industries. So it's kind of safe. Uh, for now. Okay. Um, could this mean that more of these deep-sea corals exist? They think that absolutely there could be more of these. Like I said, this one falls under the Gulf Stream, which researchers believe provides the coral with life-sustaining nutrients. So now they want to scratch beneath the surface of other global ocean currents to see what they can find. I mean, I guess that's why the ocean's so big. It's just full of secrets. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Teeming across the farmlands of Africa is a plant called striga, also known as witchweed. Mm, it's not a very friendly name, is it? <laughs> 
<laughs> it really isn't. But its name isn't nearly as bad as what it does to crops. It attaches itself to the root of valuable plants like corn and sugarcane and sorghum and rice and sucks the life right out of it. That sounds like a parasite. It is absolutely a parasite, and more than 60% of African agricultural land is suffering under witch weed spell, which has left farmers devastated and entire crops are ruined. But a research team is using CRISPR to give crops more of a fighting chance. CRISPR is the gene editing tech we talk about all the time. Scientists can basically replace certain genes in DNA to make plants more resistant to disease or to change all kinds of other genetic traits, right? Exactly. We've done a lot of stories about CRISPR because it's been so revolutionary, and this new crop could be a real game changer. Wait a second. There's a ton of genetically modified crops out there already, right? So what makes this one so different? Well, that's a great question. So first of all, there's a difference between typical genetically modified organisms, or GMOs, and genes edited using CRISPR. The first difference is accuracy. With CRISPR, you can literally make a very specific change to even a single pair of genes. Right. It's like taking an X-Acto knife to our DNA. Exactly. But with typical GMOs, you're pulling in genetic material from other organisms in the hopes of finding a result, which isn't always easy to predict. So basically, there's more precision and predictability with CRISPR, and you're not really meshing together genes from different organisms. You're just editing the genes of the single organism you're working on. Oh, that's really well put. And there's another difference that's making fighting witchweed in Africa so fraught. GMO seeds and plants tend to be the property of corporations or foreign interests, and perhaps understandably, local African farmers have been somewhat reluctant to use seeds that don't come from their region. Plus, they can be really expensive. Okay, that makes sense. But is CRISPR not expensive? It's not nearly as expensive, and it can be done locally using the crops that the farmers are already familiar with. In other words, there's no foreign DNA. The farmers know exactly what they're getting. I didn't realize that the difference between GMOs and gene-edited crops was so broad. So is this working? Like, is, is which weed a thing of the past? We did it. Hey. <laughs> it's still in testing, but it actually is looking really good. They've tried planting edited maize, and soon they'll plant sorghum, which is a hugely important crop in African agriculture. It feeds people and livestock and can be used as a building material. So if this works, it's safe to say millions of people's lives will change for the better. Could this be a proof of concept for other crops, like not just maize and sorghum? Oh, totally. They're already testing this out on some African cattle breeds to make them produce more milk and tolerate the rising African heat. But even though this method is cost-effective, in order to roll it out continent-wide to small-scale farmers, it'll take government and NGO support. But despite all that witchweed, African food security could soon be on solid ground. CRISPR has been a big deal over the past several years, but in so many ways it feels like we're just at the beginning of this revolution. I can't wait to see what it does next. Let's recap what we learned today to wrap up. Researchers have engineered bacteria to transform plastic waste into biodegradable spider silk, paving the way for its use in textiles, cosmetics, and medicine, and offering a sustainable solution to tackle global plastic pollution. Scientists have discovered the world's largest deep-sea coral reef, a ghostly underwater city the size of Vermont, teeming with life and hidden beneath the Gulf Stream, right off the U.S. coast between North Carolina and Florida. Researchers in Nairobi are on the brink of planting gene-edited sorghum seeds in Africa to combat the devastating effects of witchweed, showcasing the power of CRISPR technology in revolutionizing local agriculture and food security. Curiosity Daily is produced by Wheelhouse DNA for Discovery. You can find our show wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd love if you could leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Our Discovery executive producer is Dominique Vu. Our Wheelhouse DNA executive producer is Cassie Berman. This show is hosted by Callie Gate and Nate Bonham. Our producer is Kiara Noni, and our associate producer is Kimaya Floyd. 
Writing is done by Sam Osterhout. Sound design, audio engineering, and editing by Nick Karasimi. I'm Nate Bonham. And I'm Callie Gade. We'll see you next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.